In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Shortly before he journeyed to Jerusalem for the last time, Jesus stopped in Bethany to see his old friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They were his friends, three people with whom he could just be a person as well as a Messiah. If you recall, it was Lazarus whom Jesus raised from the dead. Jesus shouted Lazarus out of the tomb, come forth, and restored Lazarus to life. Well, on this occasion, this evening arrived that Jesus and his disciples arrived in Bethany. Uh, Jesus' days are numbered, and he knows it. Now, Jesus was more or less safe as long as he stayed across the Jordan out of reach of the religious leaders in Jerusalem. But when he returned to Bethany a few weeks before to raise Lazarus from the dead, by doing that, Jesus signed his own death warrant. Up until then, he had healed this person and healed that person, but he had never raised anybody from the dead. And the Jewish religious leaders said, enough is enough. He's got to go. But Jesus, when it came to his friend Lazarus, practiced what he preached. In effect, he traded his own life for the life of his friend Lazarus. In any event, when they arrive at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, his friends can see it on his face. They can see his death written on his face for sure. And so they take Jesus in and they care for him. They shut out the world for this one night at least. Let me give you just a little reminder about those two sisters. And maybe this is the same in your own family, something like this. Martha was the one who worked all the time. Martha cooked, Martha cleaned, Martha organized, Martha was never idle. Mary, on the other hand, did none of that. Mary was sort of like a poet, a writer, a dreamer. Uh, she just was the one that loved to sit at Jesus' feet and soak in every word that he had to say. So, as you might imagine, immediately that evening when they arrive, Martha jumps into action and begins to make dinner. Mary, consistent with her behavior, slips away. She goes to find something in her room. She, she's a person who can disappear at times, even if she's sitting right there with everyone else. Well, no one notices that she's gone until she comes back. And when she returns, they're all sitting around breaking bread and having dinner, and Mary comes up, and she's holding a little clay jar in her hands. And you just heard the gospel. She kneels at the feet of Jesus. She breaks the neck of this jar, and she anoints his feet. 
consistent with his behavior. Judas is indignant. He demands to know why this ointment wasn't sold and the money given to the poor. And Jesus tells Judas in no uncertain terms, leave her alone. You'll always have the poor with you, but you do not, do not always have me. This, this is when it gets interesting, and this is when you have to kind of get beneath the text a little bit to really understand and appreciate what's going on. Jesus knew what Mary did when she knelt down and anointed his feet. That was a message from God. That was the deliberate act of a prophet. So from now on, whenever you hear about Mary and Martha and Lazarus, you can always think in terms of the prophet Mary. She, at that moment, was anointing Jesus for his burial. And while her behavior may have seemed strange to those sitting around that table, enjoying that meal together, it was no stranger than the actions of the prophets who had gone before her. For instance, like Ezekiel. Ezekiel literally ate the scroll of the word of the Lord so he could say that he had the word of God within him. Or Jeremiah, if you recall, got that great big clay pot and threw it down on the ground, shattering it into pieces, thereby showing forth the judgment that God was about to bring on his people, Judah, and in Jerusalem. If you stop and think about it, prophets do things like that. Prophets act things out. And whenever you're in the presence of a prophet, like these people sitting there that night at the dinner, uh, people either dismiss a prophet as crazy or they fall silent before the disturbing news that they bring, the news that they are bringing from God. Another fascinating, interesting dimension of this short little gospel reading for today when Mary came into that room holding that little jar and she approached Jesus and she stood there for just a moment, things could have gone either way. She could have snapped that jar off that, uh, that neck off that jar and poured the oil, the ointment on the head of Jesus. That would have been symbolic that would have signified that she was anointing him king. Kings and queens have oil poured over their heads. And if she had done that, everybody in that room would have jumped up and hailed Jesus as king and demanded that they go out and try to get rid of their Roman oppressors. And perhaps Mary paused for just a moment. Perhaps she paused and hesitated Maybe, no, she knelt down at his feet. And when she did that, 
as she poured that precious ointment on his feet. That action could mean only one thing. The man who got his feet anointed was a dead man. And Jesus knew it. And the contents of this bottle will not be held back. That precious substance will not be saved. It's been opened, offered at great, great price. Mary has prepared Jesus for his death. Can you imagine the silence in that room at that moment? Can you imagine the questions that they must have been asking? How will this happen? When will this happen? What can be done? What can we do? Well, no one in that room knows the answers to those questions. What they do know through this action of Mary is that there is a storm brewing, a storm brewing off in the distance. Mary the prophet has given them the forecast, and it's going to be bad, very bad. But the implication of it all with Christ sitting there, the Son of God that he is, that even though his death is impending, that's no reason for them to lock up their hearts and head for the cellar because of the storm that's coming. Whatever they need, his disciples and those that follow, whatever they need, there will always be enough to go around. For there's nothing frugal about the love of God are about the lives of those who serve him. Where God is concerned, there's no need of his love running out. This precious ointment, our life, either one, being used up. Because where God is concerned, there's always more more of God's love and more of God's presence that we can either ask or imagine. And they are gifts to us from our loving, sustaining, and caring God. Amen.